My name is Megan. I won't tell you my last name, mostly because I hate the Family Guy references. Animorphs has helped me find friends throughout my entire life. I bonded with my oldest friend in middle school because of a love for Animorphs. Is anyone really surprised I have an Animorphs podcast? back to Minds at Yerk. I'm Megan. My name is Alex. And I'm Tim. How we doing, everybody? We are here. We are awake. We are sort of. podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I'm over these morning recordings. I'm sorry. Al- Alex does not speak for all of us in the whole <laughs> awake comment. I, you know, I'm, I'm being optimistic here, Tim. I'm trying. I'm trying to set a positive starting point for us, and you are eroding that very quickly. I like the idea of sleep podcasting. Like sleepwalking, but sleep podcasting. <laughs> it would just be a lot of, like, gross body noises, wouldn't I it? I don't think so, because, like, a lot of people talk in their sleep, and it's wonderful. Yeah, there's no telling what I would, what I would say. Do you sleep talk? I don't know. I'm usually asleep when it happens. <laughs> Nobody's ever told you if you sleep talk or not? No. No, I do. I talk in my sleep. My sister, two of my sisters sleep talk and sleep walk. And one of them sleep dances. Sleep dances? Yes. yes. When Mackenzie gets stressed, she um, will dance around the entire house. She hasn't done it in a few years, thankfully. But uh, yeah, it was a little terrifying. And then she comes and she would pet the dog that was in my lap. And so this like sleep child staring you down as they pet a dog and you're just like, all right, demon child, go to bed. You know, I know Meg has said as much before, but you really do live in a horror movie world, don't you? <laughs> yeah, the, that was the, nobody probably remembers this movie, but uh, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan played a dad and his daughter was possessed by like a Jewish demon. And the adverts were, like, everywhere during this uh, this time that I was watching the twins. And so I just was like, you know what, demon child, whatever you want. You want ice cream for dinner? Fine. That's fine. Just don't kill me in my sleep, please. Like, that's all and I ask. Twins are inherently part of the horror movie oh, universe. And I have two sets. You've got twin two twins. Sets. I do. So, yes. Everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I'm haunted by a lot of ghosts and... I have demonic twins. It's okay. It's just a thing. It also gonna... made, uh, we went camping in uh, the Grand Tetons and um, Yellowstone. And my entire night was spent because Mackenzie would be wanting to get out of bed to make sure that the door was locked. She wasn't awake. It was just like all night. She's like, we have to check the door. We have to check the door. It was like, it's locked. Just calm down. <laughs> so anyways... Sleep podcasts. <laughs> My new thing. I There's so much to unpack in everything you just said. <laughs> that could be the rest of this episode. I mean, this is why my therapist makes money when I see him. <laughs> so Valid. So speaking of creepy humans, we read The Mutation, book 36. Tim, do you have a summary for us? Oh. Cassie calls Jake at 3 a.m. Jake heads to the barn. The Hamies are there. Visser 3 has been doing biological experiments on hork Bajir to make fish people to find the Pimalite ship. It didn't work, so he did these. Visser 3 has an experimental new ship for underwater travel called the Sea Blade. The gang morphs orcas and attacks the new ship. Only it sees them and attacks first. Jake is hurt and has to demorph. They go back down and take out the sea blade, only to watch a cave open up and human figures take it. The gang follows down the cave to ensure the sea blade is destroyed when they find themselves in a new world. They are captured and taken before Queen Soko, leader of the Nartek, 
The queen takes them to dinner and tells of her plans to take over the surface civilizations, and then lets them roam around free. It turns out that was just a plan to trick them into the hospital, where they would make a DNA smoothie with their insides and then taxidermy them. Tobias sneaks in an, in an architect morph and saves them. They get to the sea blade, but the Nartex won't stop fighting. Visser 3 shows up as a fire type and starts stacking up bodies. He makes a deal to unlock the ship for a ride home. Jake floods the ship, which puts out Visser 3, and stops the ship to let it be hit and sunk by torpedoes the Nartex launched. The gang morphs sharks and whales and book at home. I'm just going to assume this is also the plot of the movie Battleship. Yeah, I could, I could buy that. I never saw it, so I, yeah. I forgot that was a movie. <laughs> yep. Liam Neeson? Was he in that? There's really no telling. Nobody no saw idea. it. Yeah. I feel like it was a Liam Neeson. Well, there's, no, there's the, the Chapman for this week, then. I'm sure he's the already Chapman been Chapman, though. Liam Neeson, I'm he's... sorry. Chapman does not have any particular set of skills. I don't think Liam Neeson is the right choice here. <laughs> it was Liam Neeson. It also had Rihanna. Okay. And a Skarsgård. Good God. Oh, I do remember Rihanna in that naval uniform, actually. Yeah, now that you say the, that. that. That is a good look for her. Okay, so Rihanna as this week's Chapman. I'm down for that. Rihanna as this week's Visser 3. I'm even more down for yeah. that. So Rihanna as Queen Soko. Hey, okay, there you go. There we go. Yeah. We got there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if all of the rulers in this line of Nartek uh, uh, royalty are named after various liquors and liqueurs. I, you know what? I honestly <laughs> had the thought of the ghostwriter of this book just sitting there writing the book and then looking at the Southern Comfort label. Across from her, and then deciding, yep, Queen Zoko. I think at it's least possible. a bottle or two of Southern Comfort went into this draft. <laughs> it's possible. This book makes me think of, like, if 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 Han had a really, really good intellectual property, and she's like, here, you can have it for a book and do what you will with it. And I'm like, Atlantis! <laughs> and is, are you talking about me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you clarified that because I'm like, the dead Hork Bajir from the beginning? I, okay. no. <laughs> so we, we talked about this too because there's a dead Hork Bajir named Han, and apparently Han is back alive in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> so the whole time I'm thinking about Megan, like, <laughs> how does she play into this? Morphing power. Yeah. I got skills. I spread it around. It's all good. It's all good. I saw a meme today. Apparently, it was when Tony Stark set everything back and brought everybody back to life. That's how Han came back. Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. He disappeared. Mm. That makes sense. It also could have been. Fast and Furious is now part of Marvel. I guess. (laughs) I just did that canonically. (laughs) I mean, given the last movie and the submarine and the airplane, I mean, man, I was really wasted when I saw this movie. That's all I remember (laughs) of it. Oh, it's a good movie, though. It's either that or Oliver Queen did it. Yeah, Take your pick. could be. <laughs> that works now, too. Mm, do we want Fast and Furious part of DC or Marvel? DC. I feel like it's got more DC energy uh, from what I know about it. I, okay. I tend to probably agree with that. Yeah. There's, an, there's an Earth FF. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I, I, I want to see the, like, Batman Beyond Era Gotham, where Terry McGinnis is having to deal with the Fast and the Furious (laughs) crew just, like, showing up and messing with him because it's fun? Yeah, I could see that. So... I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie. (laughs) You've never? I'm not surprised. I've only seen bits of one, the ending of three... The ending of seven and eight. <laughs> a sort of machete cut of Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Well, yes, more or less. <laughs> I worked at AMC when three came out. 
So I saw the ending plenty of times as I went to clean the theater. Three is objectively mm. the worst one. It's always three is the worst one. Yeah. If you've got a series, three is the one where we suddenly have time travel and everybody's like, okay, <laughs> whatever, Michael Myers, fine. <laughs> Wait, Shrek was in Fast and the Furious? No, it was a reference to Halloween, but which I think might have been actually episode four. Season of the Witch, which one? I don't know. Anyways. Animorphs. We Animorphs. Animorphs this week. <laughs> we did. And I will be honest, I don't know if this was a product of uh, the hours of the day during which I read this book, or my being very tired generally this week because I am very overbooked, or just the book itself. But I had to like read three pages and then go back and reread three pages, basically all the way through the first half of this book. To figure out what I had just read. <laughs> well, the last time we saw the this uh, ship that they're looking for was in book twenty seven, I think. Yes. When, uh, and I think if I remember correctly, it ends with the Chi hiding this ship. Yeah, and they were gonna hide it like so deep nobody could get to it because right. physics. And then it kind of sounded like they maybe didn't hide it. It was a weird conversation they had with the Chi. Because, yeah. Well, I don't know. It it sounded like, yeah, they were going to hide it that way. But then they figured out that, like, this wreckage site, it would just blend in better, I guess. I guess. So at least there was some it's logic to it. Still a big dog ship. Like... <laughs> It looks like Snoopy. Yeah, but I, sure, it, sure, fine. I don't know that I agree that there's logic to... Well, we could put it where physics prevent anyone from reaching it. Or we could hide it... And get it risk blown up. Yeah, or we could hide it... No, no, not even that. Just we could hide it where people can reach it. Yeah. But it's harder. I, I suppose yeah. that when you phrase it that way... <laughs> Should we make it impossible? Or should we just make it a little more difficult? Why keep this ship? Because... Other than it's the ties to the creators. I get that. No, it's not even that. It's because the generators that maintain their holograms are on that ship. Oh, that's right. That's right. That was a whole yeah. point of book 27. Right. Yeah. Because I had to sit there and debate that with myself yes. while I was reading this, too. Yeah, no, that was basically my entire thought process was, why are we sitting... Why? Why aren't we blowing up this ship? But that is that is a very good reason. And I especially, think, go ahead. I think that sort of thing is kind of a good example of why I spent so much of the first half of this book going, what? <laughs> because we get a lot of like, here, let me tell you everything. Yeah, a lot of that. But none of the actual salient details of why any of this matters. Yeah. Yeah, like, one line of a reminder of, like, we're not going to blow up this ship because it's protecting the Chi. Like, something to tie it back to 27, because it's yeah. now been nine books, which means it's been, like, four to nine months, depending on their distribution at the time. Yeah. So. And children, I mean, I didn't remember it, so, you know. Um, <clears throat> the... When did we make this agreement with the Chi for the Chi to stand in for the Animorphs? And, like, what are the terms of this agreement? Because it's now, like, a consistent thing. We've done it four times. Yeah, it's kind of just become a, well, we need to gloss over the dealing with parents part of this. Or yes. that's going to be every book. Or uh, we can't all be out of school at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing I bump into with this one is... I like the back half of this a lot more than I like the front half of this. And I think part of it is th this kind of thing of like, we've moved past the, the logistics of pulling off missions at all are the story part. So mm -hmm. why does the story not happen until halfway through the book? Why does the meat of it not start until the back end? You got to get there. You can't just like suddenly be in Atlantis. 
But you can. We've seen it in other <laughs> books. Sure. That is a bit of a, a nuisance at this point, is that I get that these books were written for... Like, we, we've had this discussion about how probably nobody read these things consistently in order. But we cover so much of the same ground in every book. And 36 books into it, it's kind of like, all well, right. And in this one so much... And like this is... I think this is why I'm picking on this one. I think it's two things. One, so much of the covering the same ground is kind of gratuitous in this one. Like, it's doing it because... I mean, we know this one's another ghost-written one. We haven't talked about that yet. But this is another ghost-written one. It is... It feels more like checking off a checkbox than anything, than a lot of it actually being relevant to the story. Um, which again, like, yeah, okay, maybe people are jumping in out of order, but also we've seen other books that aren't ghost written that kind of get to the point quicker. Mm-hmm. And this one almost feels like it needed one more run past an editor or more time being it needed notes. It needed some notes. Can I yeah. can I also throw out there that I liked this book. If you hadn't told me this book was ghostwritten, I wouldn't have thought that this book was ghostwritten. This one was oh. I don't mean to like crap on this book. Cuz I no. I did. I enjoyed no. it and it was a I don't... fun fun story. But it that that was sort of my my feelings on the first part of this book. It's like Man, do we have to like revisit this? And I like the answer is yes. Yes, we do have to revisit this every time and I get that why, but See, I think I think it was pretty like early on, oh no, this is one hundred percent ghost written. This Jake does not sound like Jake. Sometimes he does, and sometimes he sounds like a fucking college professor. See, for me it was the last book we saw or the last Jake book we had was Jake basically losing it because of being a leader yeah and so much of the beginning of this book is like uber confident jake being like yeah i've accepted i'm the leader it's whatever it's fine they're you know we move forward kind of thing and i'm like do we though like i guess i didn't really think about the last book when i was reading this one i do wonder if they had some kind of like continual uh continuation reader um Probably not, honestly. It's a kid series and it was in the yeah. 90s. But, and and I also know that, I mean, Applegate has been very, very open about the fact that she was not good at giving notes and working with the ghostwriters as well as she should have been. And that she was feeling like she was running out of ideas books ago. I mean, like 20 books yeah. ago. So they're not all going to hit it out of the park. I don't dislike this one. I think it's better than the last one we read. No, the I last 35. Uh, Visitor's great. Um, but I also know this was kind of the point as a kid to where I was like, not loving this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think if this were the last half of this book expanded and given a little more room to breathe, I would have no problems with this at all. I think it would be... One of the best books, maybe, in fact. Yeah. The Atlantis stuff the Atlantis stuff is rushed. Yeah. Um but it's also just like I don't this is gonna sound like super nitpicky, but hang with me for a second. In the first half of this book, Jake speaks almost entirely in incomplete sentences and fragments, and it feels really like stilted until it gets into the action. And it's something that I think I've bumped into before where the ghost writers don't... And I think this is more specific to them. I think Applegate and Grant are really good at balancing this so it stands out. The ghost writers don't tend to write scenes between characters. And like I think interpersonal when, scenes, you mean? Right. They don't. They they don't write dialogue as much. They don't write. Even if you've got, say, Jake and Marco on a stakeout together, it's not conversational for the most part. It's just, yeah, Marco did this, and I said that. And I think when you take so much of the book in sort of that 
I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell format. And then also, like, have the inconsistencies in how characters are written that we've talked about before. Like, it, it feels way more jumbled, maybe? I like, the back half of this, I think, works better for me because it is everyone there and more things are happening and it's not just exposition. I get it. I think that's where... I think that's where I bump against so much of the first half of this. It is almost like two stories in one. Yeah. So. Um, but a lot of shit still happens in this book. The other thing I know that, that was working against my reading it was having read the... Uh, not solicitation. This is not comics. <laughs> Having read the the teaser in the back of thirty five for this book, which I am going to read back into the record now. <laughs> Fifteen thousand feet below the sea, the Animorphs fight to stop Visser Three from finding the powerful Pimalite ship. In Killer Wellmorph, the Animorphs must take on Sea Blade, the intimidating Yurk underwater craft. As if battling the Yerks isn't enough, the Animorphs are threatened by even more menacing enemies, the Nartex, who live underwater, live in underwater caves. Now the Animorphs may have to fight alongside their greatest foes, the Yerks, in order to overcome the deadly Nartex. My dude, that's a quarter of your summary, and that's one chapter. <laughs> you know what I was happy about? Y'all had said Atlantis... When we were talking about it, I think as, like, metaphor, and I had thought that this was supposed to be legit Atlantis. And so when it wasn't, and, and Axe's, you know, explanation, it's like, no, 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 these are these are ocean hillbillies <laughs> with radiation around them. And I'm like, oh, this is so much better. Like, I'd really thought it was going to be hokey and, and dumb, but this, like, I don't know, the explanation fit the theme of the Animorph series way better than there being an Atlantis but also it was a continent that sunk and built a dome over itself it and was. rapidly evolved underwater. So, like, it is also Atlantis. It is, but it's it's not at the same time. <laughs> I do like the idea of Atlantis as marine hillbillies. Yes. <laughs> that is actually, you know what? I want to see this book through Tim's eyes. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet now. I, well, I, I did. Like, as soon as he said... They were talking about, hey, look, we have light rocks above us. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> those, are, <laughs> those are not as good for you as you think they are. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, it was, I don't know. I just I, I enjoyed the explanation of things. It should say everything it needs to about my brain while reading this. That I had to be told by Axe that, no, th these are radioactive. And Tim <laughs> got there immediately. <laughs> take back everything I've said. I don't get an opinion this way. <laughs> no, I think it's good. Because trying to reread these and not let the the feeling of like, what the hell is going on with this series that I had, you know, as a kid creep back in. So it's, it's really, really good. To, I enjoy that. I enjoy the mutation hillbillies. The underwater hillbillies. And they are the blue people. <laughs> I did love Rachel's like backtracking of like they're blue. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with being blue. <laughs> yes. she, she called her the she called him the Bee Gees. Yes, thought <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> I actually did figure out Jake's plan when he said he was going to dip the ship. I was like, ah, fire, fire, Mister Three is not going to work. This is a great plan, <laughs> and I was proud of me for getting there first one time. I spent most of it being like, they're really, really sure that Visor 3 is there. Oh, I would like, have been too. Why, though? Absolutely. It's the first time we're taking the ship out. For 35 books, you've been trying to protect your secret. I think I would have done the exact same thing. I've been like, I mean, no, this, yeah. one's, this one's a little too important to hang on to. So even if there's a 1% chance that he's here, we're going to take it as fact that he's here. And he's watching us. But why is Visitor 3 going after this ship? 
Why now? I know it talks about the droid, but that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, that didn't either. But the, uh, the Wasn't s- it? same reason that he went also, last time. The droid didn't talk to him. He only talked to the Animorphs that we now, love. Hang on. I want to I wanna dig into this. Tim, you just said the same reason he did last time. Yeah. What was that reason? Oh, uh, <laughs> that was my assumption. I don't remember. Uh, I assume it was to get the tech off of the ship. I think it was an energy source. Yeah, maybe. I think it was specifically some energy source on the ship. Yeah, that sounds correct to me too. And I, there whatever were bug s- fighters en route to the ship following a signal. Yeah, that was just because they figured out about the ship. But he wants that Pimalite tech. But again, it's been. Nine books. That's how long it took him to build the Sea Blade. He probably was like, all right, we're loading up, we're trying this again. But he's like, gave it to his R&D department to work on it. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to go with my other crappy Visser 3 plans while I wait for this plan to be done. He had to hire like union workers and stuff to build the show. I'm sure there's a lot of red tape. <laughs> It takes about can't kill anymore. It takes about nine books to get these things done. All right, all right. Permits, bureaucracy, yeah, <laughs> all kinds of things. You have to get an inspector to come out and make sure that it's flyworthy before you're allowed to take it out. And seaworthy. And seaworthy, exact. Two separate <laughs> departments have to come inspect your work. Good luck making that happen. All right, fine. It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? I could just imagine you have this ship that's ready to be flown and ready to go in the water and the, the inspector comes in and he's like, ah, oh, you don't have enough bathrooms or something or your doorways aren't three foot wide. And that's when Vistar 3 Morphs picks up the inspector and smashes <laughs> him over the hole, thereby christening him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's how Yorks do boats in my head now. Like they're like smashing someone into yeah, it. Yeah, smashing people into it. But the person they 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 can't really smash the person that hard. It's like watching wrestling, is what I'd imagine. Just kind of a ow, that hurt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really Sorry, that image really just... early and I'm going on weird tangents. <laughs> Tim, I have I have never <sighs> Partaken of wrestling, but I, I definitely can imagine the big glistening muscle dudes as they have a chair smacked into them, just turning and saying, ow, oh, that hurt. That's exactly how it happens. You you basically just described it. So, these underwater creatures are mutated humans. Yes. We can all agree on that, yes. right? Yes. When do you think they went below when when did this happen how long have they been down there eons like is it just i'm gonna say like three thousand years offshoot of humans or is it humans that were on the surface that ended up under the surface no that one yeah 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 but i bet their what their surface life was probably very water-driven to begin with. Like, it was probably a very small island to start or something along those lines. Sure. But yeah, I I, I, I like that concept, that somehow that just over time ended up deeper and deeper in the water. So and with bigger and bigger eyes. So gross. They're, they're um, like the uh, Battle Angel Alita movie, but blue. <laughs> I heard that movie was good. I need to see it. Same. They also also can apparently read books underwater, and this is how they learn languages. Yes. So thus, English is not a barrier. Neither are idioms or... So, that part kind of irritated me. Because she goes through all the different languages, and he's like, in French, he's like, hey, do you speak English? And she's like... Yeah, it's like the international language of commerce and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, so maybe we should have started there. Why not start (laughs) there? Like, Japanese made sense. Actually, Japanese and German both make sense as to why they started. Because they have all these... They have a Japanese ship from World War II. 
I think they also had something German, so it kind of made sense. But the French one, not yeah. as much. Like, yeah. English or Chinese would make sense. Yeah, here's this, like, language that, like, apparently a lot of people speak, but I'm not going to start with that one. I'm going to wait till like, I don't know, eighth on the list. Here's counterpoint. If you are dragged into my palace, and I start laying down multiple other languages that I know you don't speak to throw you off Ooh. balance. Okay. All right. Clearly, some big dick in our Yeah, gender. it's a power play. Yeah, clearly, uh, uh, what are the, how many laws of power is it? There are laws to power? Hang on. <laughs> clearly one of the books that made it underwater is the 48 laws of power. 48? Yes. <laughs> Letting Tim consume that I knowledge. can think of like two. Like, I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna have to read the 48 laws of power. Please don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't want this to ruin Tim. Tim will suddenly walk in and immediately have to throw everyone off guard. <laughs> you have to wear like a, a red tie. Or, is that one of the power laws? No, it's stuff like. Uh, there was an episode of Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip about it. Um, All I know is that it's really big with inmates and slugs. Yeah, like it's a whole lot of basically just how to fuck with people's brains to that's throw a, them off guard. A, did you say inmates and celebs? Yes. That's yes. a hell of a cross section of people. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you were to put rungs to people that I should model myself after, it's like the bottom two. You say I mean, as you try to start your yeah. cult. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Tim, this is how you go from being light side Tim to dark side <laughs> Tim is reading this book. I saw a National Geographic that they reissued about secret societies. And I was like, huh, that sounds like a big list of do's and don'ts. Let's take a look at that one. What I'm saying is this book is your own personal Necronomicon. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, never outshine the master. Number two, never put too much trust in friends. Learn how to use enemies. You are not allowed to read this. Who wrote this? Robert Greene. Who is Robert Greene and why is he awful? <laughs> Number three, conceal your intentions. Maybe you have read this. No. Number four, always say less than necessary. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> so much depends on reputation. Guard it with your life. I'm going to write the 48 Laws of Tim's Cult, and it's going to be the exact opposite of all of these things. <laughs> always say more than necessary. <laughs> Tell everyone exactly don't. what you're thinking. <laughs> Always outshine Tim. <laughs> Court attention at all costs. Get others to do the work for you, but always take credit. Oh, no, that one does kind of sound like me. Make Tim do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> and give him none of the credit. <laughs> make other people come to you. Use bait if necessary. I should make people go away then? You should go Anchor to other your people. actions, oh. never argument. Infection. Avoid the unhappy and unlucky. That's the first ten. I'm not. Yeah, read this guy sounds but... terrible. Like legit yes. awful. I mean, there's a reason when you Google it, Trump's face yeah. pops up. But that's fine. Ugh. So there's definitely a copy underwater. I yes. should buy a copy of this book and then bury it in my backyard just as a. A statement on my feelings of it. But then I'm afraid, like, Alex would come dig it up and read it because you, we know he reads you books. You paid money for it then. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll go steal a copy. Okay. That seems like. I just want to witness you trying to steal something. <laughs> it'd be so terrible. It'd be terrible. The... I'd, like, end up leaving money on the door or something. <laughs> like, I can't do this. The uh, one I was referencing that was referenced on Studio 60 is Law 17. Keep others in suspended terror. Cultivate an air of unpredictability. Also known as Visser 3's yeah, Law. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> wow. Keep others in suspended terror. 
followed by do not build fortresses to protect yourself. Isolation is dangerous. I feel like he doesn't quite know what <laughs> he wants people to do. <laughs> like, oh. When was this written? Do not commit to anyone. <laughs> Discover each man's thumb screw. God, this guy is terrible. Find people's weaknesses. Yeah. It was written in 1998. Oh, man, that's even worse. I thought you were going to tell me like 1948, and at least then I'd understand it. No, this is definitely some 90s bullshit. Yep. I just found a picture of him, and he is just as awful looking as you would expect. Does he appear perfect? Because you should never appear too perfect. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Also, is he formless? Because you should assume formlessness. <laughs> <laughs> that is Law 48. Yeah. Master the art of timing. What? There are Hold a few on. here. This was written as a goof for a movie, right? You should assume a formlessness. <laughs> It sounds like something from like a Dean Koontz book. Look, he's uh, a really big fan of Zan from the Wonder Twins and really <laughs> likes when he becomes steam. He also wrote a book called The Laws of Human Nature. That sounds like a bad book yep. too. Yeah. And 33 Strategies of War. So maybe they just found Visser 3's copy of this book and quickly read it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what happened. It's possible. Visser 3 has an audible account now, I'm assuming. And this is like one of the like three books that are on it. It's this. It's the T.S. Eliot book that Katz is based on. (laughs) Yes. And what is the third book on Visser 3's audible account, Tim? Uh... A romance. Yeah. He, has to, he has to chill out. Again. It's the fault in our stars. <laughs> oh God. <sighs> I feel like oh, if I'm God. going to be a good cult leader, I have to have a nemesis, and I think I just found my nemesis. Me? I feel like your nemesis is someone that you know, so that they're aware you're. They- no, I. They're your nemesis. I don't, I don't really not like anybody that I know like enough to, for them to be my nemesis, though. Well, it's something you got to work right, on. 2020. Right. I'll get to know Robert Green <laughs> just so he can be my... Okay. Robert Visser 3 Green just so he can he can be my nemesis. Your Timesis? Timesis. <laughs> nice. Jesus. Timesis is the first book of the Bible, right? Yep. Maybe a Bible. <laughs> the second half is just the book of Tim over and over again. The book of Tim written by Tim, Tim, first Tim, second Tim, third Tim, first Tim again, another second Tim, Tim. There, there would be some crazy tangents in that book if that were a thing. That can never be a yeah. thing, by the way. Oh, it's totally going to become a thing now. I'm like writing it in my head. It's all good. In the beginning, there was Tim. I get to write the chapter where I go to Atlantis, though, right? No, you have to hire a ghostwriter. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, most of it's going to be ghostwritten anyways. Because Tim is a ghost. Hey, got there finger guns <laughs> the holy spirit if you will <laughs> i hate this <laughs> it's gone from cult to religion and i feel like it's getting worse and i was already not comfortable with the cults <laughs> well it's because as a ghost he has achieved formlessness <laughs> i mean he has i can't what we didn't know was all of these podcast episodes are in fact his horcruxes <laughs> Oh, no. Okay, so the 48th law is to achieve formlessness, right? So I could see, yes. like, Robert Green, like, spreading jam on his toast, and then, like, this little glob of jam hits the counter, and all he, <laughs> he just looks at it and says, fuck you, jam. I heard Jim the first time, I was like, who's Jim? <laughs> this is why we don't record in the morning. This is, this is about as much sense as the first half of this book made to me, too. 
I did not know that mentioning the 48 Laws of Power would cause that digression. <laughs> you should have known. Come on. I'm gonna I did, in fact, maintain an air of unpredictability. <laughs> I'm going to write the 48 Laws to not being a trash human being. And then he's going to give up after four. Yeah, no, yeah. like, that's too many. <laughs> I lied. 48 is too many. <laughs> so... This is the first book where the Animorphs and Visor 3 work together. No. No, not true. Okay. Helmicrons. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. My apologies. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because I referenced it last week in trying to get Tim to guess <laughs> that they worked together in this one. Which apparently oh, is no. only a chapter of this book. Yeah, and it's not even like a great chapter no i was super excited to see jake and esplan team up again because it was so much yeah. fun the first time man the hellcrons are gonna come back aren't they uh, they did they, get referenced in visser they did they did they called him a, a helmicron or said he was acting like a helmicron <laughs> yeah such an insult i mean it really is it's the ultimate napoleon complex that's very true Elba, I hardly know her. I like this. I just, it feels like such a filler book. And I feel like so much of the 30s are just, we're not progressing the story. Just like life. <laughs> are you saying your 30s don't progress? <laughs> you don't progress in your 30s. Or just life in general does I not still... progress. <laughs> Honestly, it was more my 20s that felt that way. 30s so far are going okay. So mm. That's good. Um, I was going to say something. I mean, even at one point in this, Jake makes a comment that sounds like, eh, we're not going to win. We'll just keep fighting anyways. And I'm like, okay. There's a lot of, ooh, something shiny and getting distracted and getting fucked up by being distracted in this book. Yeah. He said that. Hey, these are some weird weeds. Ah, fish people. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. he said that in this book. Wait, 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 wait. Pilgillies. <laughs> nice. Nice. He uh he said that in this book that eh, we're probably just delaying this war. Or maybe not even doing that. And that's all I could think about with the sea blade. Was that uh, you're gonna Okay, you're gonna like hang out here and maybe die so that you can destroy the sea blade, which is a ship he built in nine books, which means he'll probably do it in five books this time because they've already got like the diagrams and stuff. Like, I mean, what do you really... There's definitely a second protocol. You don't yeah. send out your first protocol without having a backup. I think, though, that we've learned... If we've learned anything about Yerk R&D, it is this. They build a prototype. They test the prototype. If the prototype doesn't work, they scrap the entire project and kill everyone involved. Because we saw this with the anti-morphing ray. Yeah. Anytime something doesn't go right, it's like, well, nope, okay, guess that's a but dead end. This didn't fail, like the anti-morphine ray they thought failed. But if it's so easy to take down, isn't that a failure? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, six I whales, like six killer whales did it. <laughs> I feel like Visitor 3 is under a lot more scrutiny now. Yeah. So maybe less likely to just randomly kill people. He doesn't in this book, and all the other Yerks get killed by the Hillbillies, so. The Hillgillies. Sorry, Hillgillies. Or is Gillbillies better? Oh, Gillbillies is way Gilbillies better. Gillbillies is better. Yeah. <laughs> I knew Gillbillies. I went to high school yeah. with Gillbillies. Well, now you know where they came from. And maybe you would remember that they're amphibious. And likely to jump you if you go on a bridge. A thing Jake forgets twice in this fucking book. <laughs> yes. He's not the brightest. I mean, no. we love him. But he's not the brightest. It's like he had to forget twice so that once he could remember, huh, fire isn't amphibious. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> Fool me twice. Okay, I'm learning. <laughs> Fool me three times. Oh, you're on fire. Let me try to extinguish you. Yeah. 
But the only thing that, that bothered me about it was that they said that he was full of fire and electricity. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, this... Oh, I missed the electricity. That's even more... Yeah, I was like, one of these is going to go bad. Also, how did Visser 3 acquire that? Okay. (laughs) Maybe it's not always on fire? He took a bucket of water. (laughs) Because I'm sure you could get the DNA while they're not lit. (laughs) <laughs> or partying, I guess. Good thing. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and start some show notes now so I include the phrase Visser 3's most lit morph. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We also got like, a really long explanation about where it came from. We did. Like, it was longer than normal. Yeah, we know a lot about how how these species reproduce now. The birds and the flaming bees. I never once learned how to party in lit class. I just thought about that now. They'd have to call it. It's over. It's done. We've reached the pinnacle of this podcast. (laughs) It will never be better than that. (laughs) What do the kids call it now? You have kid. I don't know. Not old enough to have that class yet. That's what you yeah, right. this, Wait a minute. I'll text is, some teenagers. Hang on. Is this why people like Gatsby? Because that's what lit class is supposed to be? I love that answer. I'll text some teenagers. Hang on. Gatsby, you don't have to put on the green light. All right. We'll see if I think one of them's up. I don't know if both of them are. You know what's. These books are getting weirder. They're also getting shorter. I was double checking to see if this is the shortest one because I know we're coming up on the shortest one. It's not. Yeah. This was not the shortest one. I did get sort of shocked when it ended. I was like, oh, I usually have about 15 more pages here. Yeah, the ending. Yeah. I was like, why did they rush it so much? They had tons of time left. Well, it's like nothing gets resolved. No. They don't blow up this underwater place, so they don't get revenge. They don't get revenge on Visor 3 for mutating Horkbizier, which, wow, that that is something. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is. Yerk eugenics? Yeah. Yerk genics? I just finished the diviner series which talks a lot about eugenics in the 1920s and man things that still make me angry um and like there's no like maybe we should move this ship again or do something with this ship or yeah anything we really don't get anywhere so i guess fingers crossed visitor three is not going to try again because you know yeah that's not his way also, how many different underwater stories can we tell? Did they leave it, like, sealed off, I guess? Didn't they, like, collapse the wall? No. So at least the 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 fish people are... I guess they didn't, did they? No. I don't think they really did much of anything to stop them. Well, they... Uh, Visitor 3 took out a big chunk of them. Well, yeah. They thinned out the gene pool even more than it already was. And Visitor 3 gets away. Yeah. Yep. In a squid-like form. Yes. I guess it's on the list of things to do after we feed, defeat the Yerks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's how they leave it. It's like, uh, we're they talk about going back to bury the dead. Yeah. Yeah, that was horrific. Then they give us the process. I mean, it's gross. It's the... They are extracting DNA. That's the reason behind this. They're tr- extracting DNA to kind of continue on their bloodline that has become so inbred. I did appreciate and, Marco's, you know, there's an easier way to get our DNA. Yeah, because they're like taking everything. Yeah. Marco, are, are you bodies. flirting? <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> and she has a goal. 
this queen has a goal of making it to the surface. Like, that is her number one goal. Yeah. It's to take over the world, yeah. Pinky. So. It's a lot. It's, like, honestly, I would totally be on board with, like, a side series where they go back and attack these people and, you know, that battle and that fight. When, when. Because it's horrific. When Soko was like, here's my evil plan. Now y'all can just kind of tour the place. And I was like, really, James Bond villain? Oh, my God. Right? <laughs> and then they were trying to trap him in the hospital. I was like, oh, okay. It was all a plot like that the animal should have seen coming like from a mile away. But okay, got it. And then they're strapped to the medical tables. And the guy's like, all right, I'm going to inject you with some stuff and then take out your insides. And I was like, really, James Bond? Like, does everybody have to like lay out their nefarious plans before they can do anything? Yes. To be fair... They probably miss talking to people that don't know the plan. <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of like my coworker who tells the same stories over and over, and I'm just like, okay, you need new blood in this office. <laughs> so your coworker is a James Bond villain. That's what I got from that. Yes. <laughs> no, Mr. Jake, I expect you to die. Oh, fun story. So my mother came to visit me in September and she's sitting on the plane and the guy next to her has, um, I think it was an Emmy. I think it was during Emmy season. And she's like looking at him out of the side of the eye, trying to figure out who the hell he is. Um, it's the guy that plays Q in Bond movies. And so she like did a quick, it, like she, the guy next to her was John like, John oh, Cleese? No, Q in the new Bond movies. I didn't know John Cleese had stopped playing Q. I didn't know that was John yeah, Cleese who played like, Q. I'm like three Bond movies behind. No, the Ben Winshaw has played Q for like I think all of Craig oh. Daniel Craig's like, run. Was it really John Cleese? It wasn't John yes. Cleese. Yeah, John Cleese was in Die Another Day. Oh. I don't think I saw Die Another Day. Was that the only one he was in? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> My mom Googled him, had no idea who he was, but was like, really, I knew who he was. Then when we went to see a movie at Christmas and she was having her meltdown about us not seeing 1917, they had a big poster. And that's when my mother realized she sat next to Q and got very excited. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Just speaking of Bond villains, this episode is entirely (laughs) tangents. That was always going to be the case. Yes. All right. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about in our creepy? Okay. Desmond Llewellyn is the guy that I was thinking of. Also cute. Yes. Uh, There is no new word for lit. There is no new word for lit. Okay. All right. Are we ready to move on? Yes. Yes. Okay. Alex? Present. Well, let's go through um, any technology that would have changed. Um, If they had iPhones, they could have taken video of Atlantis and sold it to Weekly World News and gotten very rich. I did have some issues with the book because it kept talking about the pressure killing them as humans. Like, that's why they had to get Jake up really high before he could morph. And then, like, and I get ships would have something to counterbalance that pressure. I don't feel like an underwater city would. And so it was, like, this plot point that they made sure to include that kind of was, like, we're not going to talk about it, though, because we don't really want to explain how they're not dying. Air pressure doesn't match water pressure, though. Well, okay. Here's here's the alternate question, then, Tim. They're in this dome that has been underwater for millennia, filled with beings who breathe through gills, but also walk on land, so I guess have lungs, too. Where is fresh air coming from? And don't say Terry Gross. Um, I mean, you can pull oxygen out of 
water. So they may have some contraptions. There's a really, really tall chimney type stack that reaches up to the surface. And a second one for intake. And... That nobody else has ever <laughs> noticed. <laughs> Where is fresh air coming from? This is a good question. Okay. I just told you. They have some kind of contraption. You're talking about like trees. splitting a water molecule into hydrogen and oxygen. Yeah, yes. but for all you know, these fish people have developed to where they emit oxygen. Possibly. They also have a lot of plants. They have a lot of so. plants. Mm. Okay. Well, Timey-wimey <laughs> bullshit. Elements bullshit. No, no, no. The elements got nothing to do with the hillgillies, <laughs> the gillbillies. You are correct. You are correct. The elements is responsible for many things. We are not putting them on him. That's fair. All right. Do you have any animal facts for us? I do. Um, parrots are better than humans because parrots have been observed helping each other without expecting anything in return. Well, that's sweet. African gray parrots will help out their friends even if they won't personally benefit. An adorable new lab experiment shows. Adorable lab experiments are my favorite kind of lab <laughs> experiment. <laughs> Selflessly helping peers isn't a common trait in the animal world. Scientists have only seen a few mammal species behaving this way. After all, altruism doesn't benefit an individual in a species unless if it's part of a social enough group that it can expect some sort of reciprocity in the future. But African gray parents are intelligent, highly social birds, and they are now the first bird species to exhibit this kind of helping behavior in the lab. I am reading from a Gizmodo article. Um, I think it's clear that the parrots have not read the 48 Laws of Power. <laughs> I knew that we would Nobody get there. Them to them? It's like the parrots have read like the three ways to be a decent living creature. Yeah, only three. It's a whole lot easier than it is to be in power law compliant. I don't... <laughs> Yeah. Law compliant. <laughs> I mean, okay. maybe some birds are formless. Yeah, right? Something, something molting, maybe? <laughs> well, that was one of them. Constantly reinvent yourself. I think molting does count. Constantly reinventing yourself. They read this book as dinosaurs. <laughs> and they were, you know what? Smaller. Nothing makes me happier than uh, uh, paintings of dinosaurs with an amount of plumage yes. relative to modern yes. birds. Like, show me that Tyrannosaurus chicken <laughs> every time. <laughs> so, there we go. Anyone tells you that nature is cruel and it's survival of the fittest... In a, you know, shitty social Darwinist way. Point at parrots who are just really fucking chill and want each other to have a good day. It's going to make me cry. All right. So no new listener questions. Nope. No new listener no questions. New no new reviews. So I guess we are up to the best part of the episode. Yes. Ten's predictions. All right. Ten. So it's a Rachel book. It is. The weakness. And Rachel is typically known as the strongest of the animorphs. So my assumption is that somehow she loses that strength. As for how, I have no idea. Because that doesn't sound like it would really track for the next story. You know? Now, Tim, this will come as a shock, but the part of the premise of this book is something we have discussed at length multiple times on this podcast recently. Not today, but recently. Not today. She... Oh, man. <laughs> I am so not good at paying attention. 
<laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it isn't like we discussed it knowing this book was coming up. It is something that is a legit question in case somebody dies. Maybe I guess more specifically, if Jake died. Oh, who would be in charge? So is yes. it that Jake loses his power and Rachel has to run the team? Why I mean, would Jake lose his power? <laughs> I don't know, because if you were just talking about who would run the team, I guess she loses her, I guess it's Rachel that loses her, her morphing ability. When you're a 12-year-old child, you still have to do what the adults tell you. And sometimes the adults tell you you have to go on ah. Also, why do you assume it's one of the Animorphs' weaknesses? I, you know what? I went back and forth on that a lot. Uh, could it have been... Because if it was going to be an Animorphs, I figured it would be a specific person who has the weakness. But if it had been one of the alien races, I would have thought it had been a race that has some sort of weakness. Why are you assuming it's an entire race and not a specific individual? Uh, I don't know. That's <laughs> definitely... Chapman. Pretty sure Chapman. Is Finally, a the return of the return of Chapman's yeah. daughter. Chap- Chapman <laughs> is Visser Three's weakness, or no? I take that back. He's one of Visser Three's like seventeen weaknesses. His Visser Three is Chapman's weakness. His forty-eight weaknesses. The forty-eight flaws of Chapman. Yeah. Okay. So Rachel goes on vacation. Or Jake goes on vacation and Rachel has to run the team. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> told yeah. you, Jake goes on vacation. Sorry. Uh, Rachel has to run the team. But that doesn't sound like a weakness to me. So Maybe it's not her weakness. Well, yeah. You don't know whose weakness it is. Just because you're a strong person doesn't mean you'll be a strong leader. Okay. So that is a separate story beat to the weakness then. We don't know okay. what the weakness All is. Right. I mean, I do, because I just read the uh, teaser in the back of the book. I mean, <laughs> I know what the book's about, so I, yeah, but. <laughs> well, then this right. one, uh, do we, it, well, you can't tell me that yet. I, uh, I mean, we can. What is your question? Put your question out into the universe, maybe it'll get back to this you. This one goes straight. <laughs> Oh, yes, see, it if it wasn't ghostwritten, then I was going to think this was going to be very, very good. It still has a chance to be good, I, but... I, let me see. Um, let me pull up the ghostwriters list, because I don't think the next... Unless it's that one terrible ghostwriter. Um, this is the ghostwriter who did... We're on, what, don't, say the extreme. don't say the extreme. It's not. We've That ghostwriter no, is only written to... We're past them both. It's the one that did the reunion. This is the one where Marco maybe killed his mom. Uh, this one could be good then. We know. Yeah. Um, I, I, it might be Megamorphs. That's the next one that's not ghostwritten. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Megamorphs is the next one. Megamorphs isn't ghostwritten. The Elemis Chronicles isn't ghostwritten. And I want to say, like, some of the last three aren't ghostwritten. But it's pretty safe to assume that it is. At this okay. Point. Yeah. No. So. Cool. All right. Uh, self-promote. What you guys got? What's going on? Panelology, weekly comics review podcast, coming up on episode 200. Uh, the Rob Thomas, no, not that one, Robcast, coming up on episode 16, talking about Veronica Mars. Uh, everybody should keep an eye out for a new Haunted Hell House of Horrors mini episode. Not sure when it's going to be dropping, but it's going to be in the near future. And JBC comes back. This is this. I don't remember when this. Ep- when does this episode drop? We just dropped one. This episode, so yes, little, yeah. Oh, it's coming out on my birthday. Okay, so this one drops on the eighteenth. So the twelfth. So last week when this episode comes out, JBC started last week, which is good. We're back. Yay! Yay! All right. Anything else before we close this out? 
I don't I'm think so. I'm going to take your silences. No. Uh, we'd like to thank Christina Red Spinks for our show art. If you're interested in getting some of their cool art, email at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com. I'm going to interject here. We just got new show art from them for uh, the Robcast, and it is very good. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Oh, it's it's out there. I'll send it really? to you. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So, yeah. Uh, if you like our show art, or if you like... Not that Rob Thomas's show art. Um, and I think a couple other shows are going to come out this year with some of Red's uh, artwork. Yeah, they did one then, for Jin's new show. Yep. Uh, then, yeah, check it out. Also, I'm um, going to throw out there that they do a lot of Twitch um, live feeds where you can watch them draw. It is soothing. Usually some great music as they're drawing. Uh, highly recommend um, so yeah, red's great. Big hearts. Uh, you can peep our social needs at Minds at Yerk. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, recently on Instagram, Alex did make me a fighting Yerk. I'm very happy. Just saying. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you like it. If you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at mindsatyerk.com. Our website is mindsatyerk.com. Oh, nope, sorry. You can email us at mindsatyerk at gmail.com. Uh, and Yerk is spelled Y-E-E-R-K. If you like us and want to help us out, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify, and probably anywhere else that you want us to be. Somebody say when. When? Demorph! Alright, I've been Megan. My name was Alex. I was Tim. And until then, we fight. <laughs>